Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, welcome everybody. Brady now snaps as his microphone. No thing. one's gonna see that. It's not like that's on the uh, <laughs> post production. No, it just gets me every time before we start. Well, what, what episode are we on? I think twenty nine. Episode twenty nine. The big two nine. Yep. Oh man, thirty's always a tough Almost one. You know, our golden episode. <laughs> Almost yeah, right there. Yeah, thirty one, right? We're both thirty one. Yep. 29 was better than 39 i'm gonna be honest yeah it was i liked being in the 20s it was nice i still felt uh, like i had low 30s is still nice like you okay. still had the perspective of very young i have three kids yeah you might have a different perspective <laughs> than i do i still have the perspective <laughs> that i'm very young i know i feel like i'm just like i'm nearing the end <laughs> that's how i feel and this they're beating me up man oh, man you still gotta go to college then oh, i'm i am excited back like I have one that's like pre-toddler, and I love that. The toddler phase is hard. I'm ready for post-toddler. I could go post-toddler. But yeah, what are you going to do? I don't know. No, you don't know. I My nephews are toddlers, so I can... Oh, yeah. Toddlers are great to visit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're the best. They're so much fun. It's when they live with you. It's a little different. Yeah, when they wake up from their naps, just traumatized for some reason. Yeah, we're getting better. Like, we have all sorts of tactics and stuff. Like, maybe, like, sometimes maybe their blood sugar's low, so you got to give them food. So give them food early, you know, and yeah. see if you can kind of cool them off. But it is fun. I mean, the highs are high and the lows are low with toddlers is what I would say. It's like a very much like a peaks and valleys age. <laughs> you know, because they just will freak out because they can't, they can't totally talk. They can almost, like, they know, but they can't express. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. So it's a whole learning journey. How's your weekend? It was good. It was a lot of Disneyland. I Again? Went, so I went after work on Friday because my sister took You're her obsessed. almost three-year-old son. Didn't we talk about this last show? Yeah, we did. Oh, my goodness. So I went after work Friday. Okay. Rainy day, by the way. But my sister took her son for the first time yep. with her husband and then got my parents' tickets for their birthdays. So they were all there all day. Oh. I don't even know if they would make it, but they were still there. Did you go the whole day or did you kind of just... No, I went after work and Lindsay didn't have work that day. So we met up with them and just did some stuff with him. You know, Dumbo, Wayne the Pooh. What's the go-to food? Okay, let's say I'm visiting Disneyland. I only have the weekend. I want to get one thing. Like, what's the number? So right now it's the Food and Wine Festival. So I got some garlic mac and cheese with peppered bacon and a guava lychee cocktail. Highly recommend. What is this Disneyland? I've Got never... a bulgogi burrito at one of the normal spots. That wasn't like a part of the food I and wine. Going to be like funnel cake or turkey no. leg. Well, I mean, we went to Pizza <laughs> Planet just because, like, my dad and brother-in-law were on Space Mountain, okay. and my mom and sister were shopping. So we just we got there late. So we're like, we still need to eat. We'll get pizza. Lindsay got pasta. Then we met up with everyone. Is the pizza and pasta good there? Or it's, it's just normal it's cafeteria yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever, but. I mean, I got burrito though. Where's that at? Is it like pop-up? that's in California adventure. So that has better food. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've gotten like a mac and cheese and a little bread cone. I've gotten chili and mac and cheese and a bread bowl. This new Disneyland. I might have to go to this place. Cause I kind of, I'm used to more like Knott's Berry farm level food. You know, no. I mean the food and wine festival is cool. So that's just like Once during a, year, right? a part of March and they have oh. all these like local vendors and nice. Like a garlic truck, an avocado truck, which is like all avocado base, artichoke, good cocktails. Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So I did that Friday and then I went all day yesterday during the time change, got in the parking lot by 8 a.m. So 
we tapped out at like 5 p.m. And I think I went to sleep from 6 till 10 p.m. yesterday. And then you woke up and went back to bed? Or? And I woke up and I did stuff till like 12.45. Then I'm over here worrying bed. about a banking crisis and you're just over here riding Dumbo. Just being like, this I didn't is... do Dumbo yesterday. I did Dumbo <laughs> okay. Friday. Oh, your Dumbo was Friday? Before we knew, you know, <laughs> the details of what went on with SVB. But <laughs> <laughs> he was just out there living his best life. Like, dude, I love it. So yeah. all day on Sunday, you weren't Disneyed out? No, I mean, we already had, like, Sunday booked with people because you have to, like, reserve dates. And then the whole Friday thing. Dude, your calendar, bro. I tried to fit in your calendar. <laughs> I was not happy with you. I, was, I, I apologize. I tried to be. Like, I know. I know I was firing you up, but. I was. Brady, so I'm trying to schedule this event. And Brady, and I'm like, okay, so I'm over a month out. I'm like, all right, guys, what do these weekends work? Brady's just like. Barely over a month out. Over a month out. Yes. Over, over a month, month out. out yes and i'm like how does this work and he's just like every weekend from now until you're dead garrett is planned and There's now i know what it's, i know what it's planned with disneyland i can't compete no, none with that. Of that is disneyland none of that is disneyland <laughs> i can't compete with disneyland no. it's a magical place i'm not magical what am i gonna do yeah on Mar- march i mean is a crazy month for us yeah but we're, we figured it out yeah we'll see each other in june june <laughs> that worked <laughs> Oh, my God. Just that weekend, though, that we chose. The rest of June is booked. I'm sure it is. No, we're good. We're good. We got it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start playing the next one out because yeah, I got to get 2024 is right, right around right the corner. Right around the corner. Got to get in there. Yep. Oh, man. Oh. How was your fishing trip? I saw you were prepped. I didn't see any additional photos. They were on the story. No. Yeah, look, dude. They're pretty Sorry good photos. I was sleeping yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, I went to San Clemente Island. So I went all the way out. Yep. which was sweet. Um, didn't catch any fish at St. Clemente Island. Tons of bait, which was a little disappointing. The water was real cold, though. It's like 56, 58 degrees. So I drove like two hours. went all the way out to St. Clemente Island. I was looking. There's supposed to be early bluefin, potentially around. I didn't see any. And there's tons of fog, so bad visibility. Yeah. I was driving on the radar a lot, so I can like, I don't know how many miles out, but I was pinging it like, between the whole channel so I could see both islands because I was hoping maybe if I could find like a commercial boat on the radar, mm-hmm. I could, you know, Oh, hey, Tag along a little bit, yeah. a little piggyback. Sometimes you can't find fish. You can find boats. Yep. But I couldn't, there was nobody. <clears throat> okay. And I saw some commercial lobster guys on San Clemente Island. So I talked to them. They were nice. They're just doing like the commercial guy thing, mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes, pulling up pods. And they said essentially they weren't seeing anything. I was like, good news, great. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. They've been living out here, so that's good. So did that, and then we went back across the channel to Catalina and then fished the front side and got a ton of Benito. Oh, cool. Got like 24 of nice. them. The guys love that. And we were just hooking them up like crazy. And so that's fun. We had a good time. And we got back by five. We left at four in the morning. Like, so everybody got to the dock by 4 30. One guy showed up at 4 45, so we left at like 4 45. Mm-hmm. Got over there for like sunset and then oh, dude, sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah. I wish I could show you the photos. It was crazy how pretty San Clemente Island was. There's waterfalls. Oh, yeah. I did see that. Going, yeah. That's what that was the photo. <laughs> that photos. was cool. Yeah. So that no, was... I, I thought I was looking for like a big bluefin photo as well. Oh, was okay, Brady. Yeah. I went that to Disneyland, but I didn't, I didn't ride any rides, unfortunately. You know <laughs> what I mean? I don't post the Benito because they're they're kind of like a. Yeah, it's more the experience. Yeah, less you had to be there kind of thing. You had to be there, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Benito are less to brag about. But it was a great time, honestly. Anytime I get on the water like that's great. 
we were gonna spend the night, but one of the guys like has a newborn and it just wasn't gonna fly, so we came back that night. And that was great though. Nice. But um, yeah, man. And then we got the banks collapsing. That was interesting. That was a nice little Sunday. Yeah. It's considering that we are what one of the largest tech marketing agencies, if not the largest in the world. I thought we might have a little problem there, but it looks like the government stepped in Sunday afternoon, so that was quite nice of them. Yeah, we'll see what the aftermath of that is. Yeah, I've seen like four clients today be like our Silicon Valley Bank credit card wasn't working for like Google ads or something. Mm -hmm. Not what they pay us on, but like how they're paying Google or their ad channels. So, you know, they'll have to figure that out. They said it should be a week is what I'm being told. But it's crazy, man. I mean, when we are very exposed to tech (laughs) considering that's all we service. Yeah, I mean, this was an interesting one because it was so big that like my awareness was through memes on all the finance, like Instagrams I follow. And then like actual, this is what happened. Yeah. And I was doing like comms, like crisis comms and general slack and the executive channels. I prepared all responses for customers because, you know, we ended up having about 12% exposure to the bank. So 12% of our customers bank with Silicon Valley or 12% of revenue. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty decent exposure. Yeah. Like, I thought it was, I was in my gut, unfortunately, like, fr- like, so I've been monitoring it since Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was like, we might have like 25 plus yeah. percent exposure to this situation. And I'm like, what do we do? Cause I mean, Monday morning, is this going to be a flood of people trying to cancel or get out of their contracts? And we obviously can't do that because we can't lay our team members off because of the situation. Mm-hmm. And so just navigating, like, how do we honor our customers, support them in this process, but not void contracts and juggling all that? I mean, it was a heck of a weekend in that regard yeah. of just prepping. And then by Sunday night, the government had stepped in and I guess everything's good. But I let's not pretend like I think this just accelerated the recession, to be honest. I think so, too. Which I think is a good thing. Because I think the faster the re- if the if the recession is inevitable, I want to be clear. I don't think a recession is a good thing. But if a recession is inevitable, the faster it gets done, the more we can get out of a fear-based state of planning and capital allocation. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not – I'd like to assume we're not plumbers. You know how everybody poops? Yep. They're recession-proof. Doing advertising for tech is not recession-proof. Doing marketing for tech is not recession-proof. It's close to recession proof historically because tech has kind of always been on the way up. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen in this latest cycle, tech is the one getting crushed. And that's made it definitely a lot harder for directive and for us. I mean, in our day-to-day lives, a lot of clients want to take things in-house and see if Jimmy or Jill can do it, you know. And, you know, hey, Jimmy, didn't you used to do Google Ads? Jill, weren't you an SEO at one point? You know, and taking the yeah, Get on YouTube, figure it out. Yeah, it's a lot of that. <laughs> I understand it, right? Everybody has to count their own chickens first before they count everybody else's. Yeah. And they're trying to take care of their own team, right? They're trying to do what they got to do, which I get. So, you know, the industry we're in, which is a third-party vendor that manages your marketing and advertising, is tough. I think the good news for us is twofold. One, positioning-wise, we work with larger, more established tech companies. So, hence, we have a lot less exposure because they're less startups and more publicly traded or large tech companies, number one. And then number two... We're positioned into revenue. You know, yeah. we're not doing a feel-good marketing. We're doing top-line revenue generating marketing. And I think because of that, historically, like when COVID hit, we grew 3% that year. 
So I've been pretty proud that the organization at Directive is seen valuable enough in our customers' eyes that when things get bad at the macro level, we're able to get through it and our customers rely on us to power their business. I can't say that we're essential, but I think we're pretty darn close. You yeah, know what I mean? Can, yeah, like, we can fit into the plan of do more with less. Yeah. And that seems to be the environment, but with the yeah. diverse talent we have at Directive, we give people access to do more with less. With less. And yeah. then I think, you know, a very common value prop within our tech clients for their value positioning is efficiency within organizations. And so that's another nice yeah. part of tech in general is yeah. tech often is replacing something far more expensive. And yeah. so there so is still a need even for our clients out there. Yeah. So I think yeah, still pretty strong positioning. Tech's still new enough that not everything is tech enabled to your point. And so when people are cutting costs, sometimes they're cutting costs on headcount to bring on tech. Yeah. But we're pretty darn close to the end of that. And as a third party vendor, you're always at risk. You just are. Yeah, of course. But I would say we're doing as good as you can do to stay critical. Like I always want to make sure the service we offer, the positioning we have in the market, the way we tell our story, the way we establish ourselves with our customers is that we are mission critical to their revenue forecast. Mm -hmm. And I'd say we are. I'd say we are mission critical to a company's revenue forecast. The question is, you know, are you okay lowering that forecast to cut our cost, right? Yeah. And I think as long as that narrative is true, we're fairly recession not proof, but recession. We can weather a recession. Mm-hmm. We're going to still get our bumps and bruises. Like COVID had some bumps and bruises, but there's still people buying and we got through it. Yeah. But this one was a little different because it wasn't like the whole economy was collapsing. It was the tech market was collapsing. Yeah. And like when COVID went bad, technically during COVID, tech stocks skyrocketed. Yeah, and the clients that had speed bumps, they were kind of oddballs where yeah. it really affected their business model. But if you remember, COVID went from fear to opportunity once COVID had occurred. Mm-hmm. Once we went through that whole wave and we got the vaccinations and everything became kind of like, this is the new normal, yeah. that's when our business took off. And so like, if you looked at that year of uh, 2020, the, we we lost a ton in the first three quarters of it, and we made it almost all back on the back half of the year. That's kind of my point with this recession we've been in for what now? It's got to be they've been talking about for about a year now, hard, six months, nine months. Yeah. It's been pretty rough. I, I buy all tech stocks. They're getting clobbered. <laughs> I go open up my Robin Hood, I'll tell you. It ain't great. And, yeah, I mean, I ride or die with the industry. So the stocks I buy too because it's the companies that yeah. – I've evaluated and done usually brought on in a competitive vendor analysis. They're all down. That's I'm why, all red right now. That's why you dollar cost average. I buy every Monday. Yeah. If someone is down. I feel good about it. Yeah, you're like, like oh, I'm, sweet, I'm buying it cheap. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I did that for a while too. And But I think my broader point is this one was a little different in the sense that it was the tech market explicitly, yes. number one. And then number two, people have had tighter purse strings because the recession hasn't happened. Until we get to the bottom, people aren't worried about going back up. Mm-hmm. The, I need like procurement and finance and the board and the executive team to have determined that the recession has already occurred or passed us. And that'll then reopen the wallets to focus yep. on growth 
right now everyone's doing cost cutting and mm-hmm. it's just a really hard time to be in business yeah yeah the big moment hasn't happened yet so it's all preparation and what ifs i know it'd be nice if god could give me a little break here you know what i mean i we could be i mean what did it go it went covid potentially world war three and then banking collapse and recession yeah it'd be nice if we could just get it's back to what? peace and prosperity two three years of that environment yeah it's pretty crazy two and a half years it's gone by fast it's gone by very fast but it's not like it didn't happen like no it's been very real and very rough but we did grow from you know what 60 people to 160 people in the last two years yep i think that's a testament to the service we have and ability to get results but it's also gives me a little bit of imagine what it could have been you know what i mean (laughs) if we weren't just punching uphill every day just knocking down new obstacles and i'm just so proud of our executive team and our management team and our team members and our employees and everyone globally just being so tough because it's a really hard time to be in the performance industry Mm -hmm. where we're paid by clients to do things they've never done before that the last agency failed at in a macro environment where consumers are just like we do revenue-based marketing and consumers just aren't buying as much nor are companies Mm -hmm. and it's hard to hit those numbers but our team's working their butt off and i think they're doing really good yeah i think it might even impact the recovery trajectory is like companies like us who have developed a lot through these hard times. Like yeah. just imagine the performance when things normalize. I know when it gets so, back I'm to looking normal, forward to that. If it ever happens, we'll see probably yeah. an asteroid is going to hit once this recession's over, but at least, at least, <laughs> well, should we get to advertising jealousy? Yeah, let's dive in. Now that we've given all our uh, <laughs> deep banking insights. Yep. Yeah. As, Bankers. <laughs> All right, let's start with this one. He's my favorite advertiser ever. He's pretty dang good at it. Mr. Ryan Reynolds. I, uh... What's he... He's my... What does he own now? Aviation? He's owned aviation for a while. He's... I wouldn't say he's, like, a role model to me so much as he's an inspiration around just, like, creativity and personality He's also a ridiculously good actor, so obviously he has some character strengths there. <laughs> like, yeah, well, being in character and just, he's just very good at being on camera. Yeah, it's interesting how he takes his personality from movies and he just he brought it into advertisement and, like, works very well. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know. Have you seen Wrexham AFC? No. Yeah, you have to watch it. It's so good. That's the team this, he owns yeah, and the there's club, a show about club it. Yeah, club with Rob McElhenney or something like that, I think it is. Um, from Always Sunny. Um, yeah, it's awesome because you can see he has that ability to turn it on. He can be a normal dude or he mm-hmm. can be superstar, movie star, actor Ryan Reynolds. And he can go back and forth between the two. And it's kind of crazy to watch and you can see him doing it. He's not really acting so much as being a superstar. Yeah. Like an athlete, for example which I think is really interesting to see. He has that level of charisma and charm. And it's funny how he brings it into the advertising space. I don't know if back in the day they had people like this. I know I've showed like the Ronald Reagan one. I think it was, there's like been actors who've done, but never been like, he owns his own ad agency. Mm. Like he's the creative director and he actually is technically like in our industry. Yeah. Like a partner at an ad agency firm. Mm -hmm. And then he does the storyline and the scripts too. And it'll be the director on it, which to me is great because 
I've never been in Hollywood. I've never got to be on set with the top storytellers in the world when it comes to visual storytelling. Like, he's been surrounded by the top visual storytellers in the world his whole life. And then he decided to just come into our industry, <laughs> my turf, and just make us all look bad. What the heck, Ryan? So, let's take a look. This is first company, Aviation Gin. I love the fact that he can also have, like, millions of followers and do his own ads. It's like, all right, bro. Yep. Like, such a good value prop for, like, why you should give Ryan Reynolds equity. Well. He has quite the reach. Yeah. He'll do this. All right. Let's hit it, Scarlett. It's Father's Day. But if you don't mind, we're going to celebrate with the mother of all cocktails. The vasectomy. Let me show you how to make it. First... Fill a tall glass with ice. I just hate how good children is. fill our lives with so much joy. Next, <laughs> pour one ounce of cranberry juice. Sweet. Just like their little smiles. Then, pour three ounces of tonic. So bubbly. Then, pour three ounces of tonic. So bubbly. Just like I feel every day I wake up after a long full night's sleep. Now, add a dash of lemon juice. Fresh if you have a few minutes to squeeze one, or store-bought if the little ones have you running around a bit today, the little scamps. Finally, we're gonna add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin, the world's highest rated gin for the world's highest rated job. Dad. Finally, we're gonna add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin. Stir, and then we're going to garnish with a little slice of sunshine. Mm. Now that is as refreshing as fatherhood. Well, something I call the vasectomy for no reason at all. Happy Father's Day, everyone. <laughs> when people see this, they're gonna be like, has he ever been outside? <laughs> um, so, the reason I like those is because you can make something as boring as a cocktail video all of a sudden engaging mm -hmm. in a way that also plugs your product. But I don't know if anyone else, like, let's see if Nick Cannon can do it. Can you click the Nick Cannon one? I want to see if Nick Cannon can do it. So he's uh, up three squares right from there. Yeah. I want to see if anyone's going to relate to being a father. <laughs> it's comedy <laughs> Nick Cannon. <laughs> the most experienced in the world. <laughs> It's almost Father's Day, and the one and only Ryan Reynolds asked me to help us all celebrate with the mother of all cocktails, the vasectomy. Lord knows I need one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you how to make it. First, fill a tall glass with ice. The way children fill our lives with so much joy. Next, pour in one ounce of cranberry juice. Sweet, just like their little smiles. Then pour three ounces of tonic. So bubbly. Just so bubbly. Just like I feel every day. I wake up after a long full night's sleep. Now, add a dash of lemon juice. Fresh if you have a few minutes to squeeze one or store bought it. The little ones have you running around a bit today. Little mother. Finally, add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin. The world's highest rated gin for the world's highest rated job. Dad. Exactly. 
Finally, we're gonna add one and a half ounces of Aviation American Gin. Stir. And then we're going to garnish with a little slice of sunshine. And that looks like a delicious vasectomy. I'll take it from here, Nick. I have three kids. I have eight. Come on, bring it in. Just hold each other. No wonder you have eight kids. You smell amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think one thing that shows that's really cool is the copy on the script is really good. Mm -hmm. Because both actors actually crushed that commercial. Yeah. I thought Ryan's was better, even though I felt like Nick had better positioning, just given his Maybe that's because one of them is a world-famous actor and the other one hosts Wild and Out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no no, shade, Nick. You're great, too. But well, I think the script was written for Ryan. Of course. I think, yeah. And his personality. He might have even wrote it. Who knows? Yeah. But I thought it was terrific. I think it's very relatable to me because I can't tell you how many times I'm like... <laughs> you're my little favorite like you're just yeah. can't really say anything you're actually thinking or feeling in that moment because they're kids and i think that commercial perfectly encapsulated fatherlyhood anger when you're mad but you're just like am i gonna yell at a two-year-old right yeah. now <laughs> you know like that's that's exactly the restraint you kind of feel all day when you're like how's your day going you're like <laughs> it's going great and I think they showed that really well. And I think it plugs the product well because it fits with what people do when they've had a terrible day. Grab a drink. Yeah. And it was a simple cocktail. It was like realistic. It's a go. I can make Cranberry this. juice. Yeah. Club soda and gin. Well, yeah, but I think it was a, you know how like, because there are, so if you're not aware, that's like a thing that a lot of the alcohol brands do. Not that, but they'll do like the cocktails yeah. with. Yeah. Because they're trying to essentially encourage. Well, if you think about it, right, let's pause for a second. I'll show why it's smart. Have you ever taken shots of gin? No. Okay. So if you don't drink gin like that, then you need to do it when you mix drinks. Mm -hmm. Yet most people only know. What do they know about gin? What's the mixed drink they do with gin? Is martinis and no, well, Yeah, it <laughs> is. But like, what's the most popular mixed drink? Anyone here know it? Gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. So... If you don't like gin and tonic, you probably just don't ever buy gin. Mm. So if you're aviation, what do you need people to do? Understand that they can make more and different types of drink with gin. And hopefully you can show them one they like. Yep. So they choose to buy your product. But if you do it in a non-Ryan Reynolds way, it's less entertaining, less engaging. I don't know if people actually watch the ad. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I thought it was so clever. It's just like a... It's a very stereotypical ad placement. It's a very well-used ad strategy in the liquor business. I just think when he executes it, it's better than everybody else. And that's kind of why I like that. Yeah. And then he takes a sip at the end, so no way is that on TV. <laughs> Great point, Brady. <laughs> Bringing it back. Yeah, you are. Any other t thoughts, team? You guys like it? I liked it. There was one moment, I, I, I think it's a bit, but like he dumps it in and then it goes to like add one and a half ounces. It I don't know. It didn't like connect as much as I thought. I was like, wait, was that something else that he just dumped in? Because then he says like, now add 1.5 ounces of aviation. Well, he was showing that as a dad, yes, he wants to drink the whole bottle. Yeah. And maybe it was a play. There was like one cooking show meme where the lady's like, now just add 
two ounces of vodka and she's just like it's like look look oh, look, that, look i've look. seen that one That's yeah i saw i don't know if it was a play on no i don't think it was i think video. it was a, i think it was a play on like you're only supposed to have one and a half ounces yeah. and i could drink six right now but the bit just didn't connect didn't as clean as i was a bit confused like wait did he just put something else in and now he's adding it that's right. my only i like that that's pretty good my only feedback as a yeah. consumer my, oh i agree it wasn't perfect in that regard but, but i liked it, it was, yeah it was just different yeah. i thought it was it was a very stereotypical ad that i think had a good product integration and served a purpose and i do think one of the things we don't do a lot of ourselves is timing in the sense that like the visectomy around father's day mm-hmm. and then doing the ad like putting it all into a campaign yeah around a critical event in the sense of like father's day mm-hmm. and then building a campaign around it i thought that was pretty clever yeah and smart and i really enjoyed that we watched the nikana one yeah just because to have the same exact script same script yeah by two actors and just how much i liked ryan doing it better than nick even though i thought nick would be funnier because of his i think nick's hilarious. situation i know oh yeah and he, yeah he's, he's a funny guy oh but he's so funny just the subtleties of like the way ryan like kind of looks up at the camera He's now, just, Nick and Ryan, so please don't get yourself any legal trouble now that we mentioned you on our show. We have a kind of a bad track record of this, so just if you guys could avoid all problems, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't be going off getting yourself in any mischief now that we talked about you. Yep. All right, Brady, who do you got? So I have a golf brand that I've actually never heard of. I bought their shoes. Really? Gave me blisters. Oh, those are the blister shoes? Those are the blister shoes. Okay. Because they look super classy and cool. I actually like the brand. And they do gloves, too. They're all leather-based products, I think. Yeah, so I went to their site. I thought the bags were pretty cool. Yeah, they... I saw all the gloves. Yeah. But, yeah, the ad reminded me of that Oliver Peoples ad you liked. Okay, let's see it. I, I mean, if that's more story brand thematic, I love it. So it was a pretty high production, just yeah. golf. So I'd never heard of them. This ad was sent to me yep. by a colleague, Michael. And it was interesting because he sent to me saying, Brady, I think you'll really like this ad. So I checked it out. And I definitely liked the cinematography. Yep. But then we kind of went back and forth. And he doesn't golf. And so for him, he was like, oh, I thought this like made golf seem really cool it made it seem like a bit edgier and accessible and it kind of like disrupted everything he thought about golf. See, it did the opposite for me. Exactly. That, that ad was everything I hate about golf and maybe would never want to be around those people. 
So that's why I told him. Okay. Cool. I'm like, to me. But he's British, right? Yes. But he just doesn't golf. <laughs> no, I and so for me, I think he thought like the rebellion, the tattoos, like all that side of it was like not what he thought golf was. <laughs> you should was. see how we golf at Costa Mesa Country Club. But for me as a golfer, <laughs> I was concerned with like, great, I have to be all a these- rich, <laughs> chiseled jaw white dude to play golf. Yeah, exactly. Is like what that ad in yeah, my I mean, mind. Yeah, I like play golf at the Beverly Hills Country yeah, Club. represented. And so I just thought it was so interesting for like him not being a golfer, like that ad could introduce someone to golf and see the different way but yeah. me as a golfer you reminded I, me of like the kingsman yeah <laughs> i processed said. it that way so yeah. I, I just thought it was fascinating like why he thought i would like it i still like the ad yeah. i thought the production was really cool um you know all the people in the pool i like went to their site to see like is this really like weatherproof type material like was there a connection there was there um I still couldn't tell. Like, let's go to the website. Real yeah, quick. their whole Scarlet. site is very like aquatic themed. Yeah, and I like their stuff. So once I started seeing their brand and their clothes, it was very expensive. Which I, I love didn't the branding. Like. I'm not gonna lie. I love the commercial. I love the production. Now they tie it to the site, so like the ad is connected to the current brand. This looks like if the Polo brand got even more pretentious, or if Lacoste had a pretentious child. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like Equinox they and got Lacoste. the pickleball gear. It's literally Equinox and Lacoste had a baby and out popped G4. Yeah. Because that's kind of what their branding is. Like, watch, go to Equinox and then go to Lacoste. I'll show you what I mean. Okay. Whoa. See what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so it's like the super, like... What? Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. I haven't even seen it, but I just know they always do stuff like this. And I love their branding because it's so, like, uh, avant-garde, I think would be the word. Is that right, Scarlett? Avant-garde? Yeah. Okay, then let's go to Lacoste, which is just like, thank you for not confirming that with me because I have no idea. Yeah, no, I know you. Okay. <laughs> and then Lacoste, there she goes again. Yeah, see what I mean? That wasn't a bad take. I haven't yeah. seen either of these websites. Yeah. But my take was Lacoste meets Equinox had a baby. And I think that's pretty much G4. And I actually love it. Yeah, literally. See what I mean? Yeah. Now, if you go back to it, disruptive luxury. I love that. It is disruptive luxury. Hmm. That is a great. I honestly, I freaking love it. Now they I own hate their it. positioning. Yeah, I hate it in the sense that like this is the antithesis of me. And I did buy their shoes, and they did give me blisters, and they weren't comfortable. <laughs> but I didn't do it because of their brand. I bought it because I liked they had the all white uh, leather shoes. That mm-hmm. I, I like the white leather shoes. Was it those ones? Uh, yeah, those ones. They've just been around forever. I thought those looked classy and cool. That I like that look right yeah. there on a golf shoe. And you're probably hoping because it's more of a new age brand, they'd have better comfort and I thought it was going to be comfy but it, look. Yeah, it, had, it was like I like the new age version of the classic golf shoe yeah. I thought it looked like really clean um it like I do love the shoes like look at that the tuxedo got like that one right there mm. like, that's a sexy looking shoe horribly uncomfortable though because they're so stiff like if you look in the insole go to the the one with the that one right there yeah see that right there see how that uh that on that thing goes into your Achilles that yep and it just it just dug into me. Yeah. Compared to like the soft heel of like the Nikes, you know? And I went back to my Nikes and I was like, oh, this is game changer. But you got to stay. We talked about this before on another show about being a clothing brand. and Well, shoe brand. If you're going to be a shoe brand, I feel like you got to be this. Mm-hmm. If you want to stand out, you can't just be like a another Nike. I yeah. think you have to be something different. I love the ad, Brady. Not going to lie to you. I mean, I hate everything about what it represented. 
Like I hate that part of society. Yeah. I just... And there's definitely a market for it. And I think they're close to like, I like the disruptive part of golf. I like yep. the bright colors and unique outfits. And I think a lot of youth golfers like new to golf are getting into that, Yeah, but they just kind of miss that connection. Well, I think a lot of people like this. I'm not, it's just, I'm very much more like Coors Light and like yeah. flip flops. I mean, if I was in Florida and my dad was a country club member and I saw that ad on TV, it's probably what I'd be asking for for Christmas. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it is disruptive luxury. I think that's a perfect brand positioning. It's also kind of what I hate. Yeah, so. it reminds me of Outer Banks. You watch it? I've watched a couple episodes. But the scene where went back to Wicked Topper Tuna. and Wraith jump Pope when he's delivering food on the golf course. It just reminds me, like, those are the people who would buy Correct. <laughs> these clothes. Yeah, no, they're all the people that, like, you know, just, I never, I was never a part of their society. Yeah. Never have been. But the but, ad was close. Looks like cool stuff. I wouldn't buy it. I'm all about Marshalls, the Callaway Polos on clearance. That's my game. Well, but after Viore. So when it comes to golf polos. You don't wear Viore golf I have polos? a couple now. Are you not loyal? From the most recent sale, I did get a couple polos <laughs> okay. that aren't too tight and they're long enough. But okay. Callaway, it's Marshalls, it's just, yeah. it's where it's at. No, I totally feel you. It's kind of like like I'm a member at Babo Yacht Club while being the antithesis of someone who's yachty. <laughs> yeah. And I'll walk in with my fishing boots and I smell like squid. And it's funny because I brought my, other, my buddy the other day inside and he's all tatted up. And he's wearing all his fishing stuff. He looks at me, he's like, am I allowed to be in here? And he's like literally freaking out. I'm like, hell yeah, this place needs way more of us and a heck of a lot less of that. Yeah. You don't need a pastel sweater tied around yeah. your neck. Because I feel like that. I always feel so uncomfortable in those environments where everybody's wearing like uh, the uh, the little like, you know, the, the very like preppy yeah. thing. Hopefully that change. I think that's going to change over time. Like even golf but clubs now, it's like. There's you can some wear brands your- that are trying to reinvent it. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to wear my hat inside. It's some of those rules. I like some of the rules. I like got the club. You're not allowed to be on the phone. Yeah. Which I love because yeah. there's nothing worse. Happened the other day. I was at a restaurant and some guy just hops on his FaceTime and just starts talking on his FaceTime in front of everybody. Luckily I was leaving. And another thing happened too with the family and they put their iPads out with the kids. I got no problem with iPads. But don't you dare turn that volume up. <laughs> I'm trying to have a conversation. You can hear it over the sound in the restaurant. Yeah. They're plastic blippy or bluey up on 10 You've over here. You've already seen that episode too. And just... Oh my gosh. People are just so disrespectful. <laughs> Y'all getting me started on this stuff, yeah, man. The FaceTiming in the restaurant and like the, what buddy? And they're yelling at you on the table and you can't hear what you're thinking. There's a place in our society for rules. There is. For honoring others, appreciating yeah. others, being respectful for others. But I love this position. Now, do you think – can you go back to lips? I have a question. I want to make sure I formulate it correctly. I just want to make sure I understand this. They're not obviously for golf. I want to pause there for a second. Yeah, like even the ad. I know. There was a lot of like golf-ish related. Like the golf first adjacent. scene is him dropping his bag and – the guy hitting from the front lawn correct but then you get into like water acrobatics or synchronized swimming correct and i loved all that and then did you notice that the women who were doing the synchronized swimming did have on the shoes yeah so i thought that was great what do you think about the women's wear scarlet is that preppy enough for you or 
I like the colors. It's popping, right? It's like modern. It's like all yeah. bright, but it's not too much. Yeah, it's not like flashy because I don't like flashy things. It's kind of cute, right? Yeah. Different. It's cute. It's edgy. If I was a golfer, I'd buy that. Right? At 125 It's not the worst price. Women's clothes is, I feel like, usually yeah, cheaper. Yeah, it's on the verge of like... Yeah. It's not a high-end designer type price but... i like the models too like how they're positioning the clothes everything they're doing but notice like she's not where she's not in the uh she's not on the course, on the course correct yeah. that guy's like look sitting... at the shoots so you go to the floral camo tech the jersey quarters that pull over she's not golfing notice never once is she golfing nor is she wearing she wearing golf shoes no she's kind of wearing life's it's like a lifestyle brand for golf Let's see if we can see if any of the women are golfing in any of the pictures. I think that's actually interesting. What about the shoes? Let me see. I don't know if they have lifestyle photos on the shoes. Because those are golf shoes. Let's see on the golf shoe if they're golfing. No. No, there's no lifestyle. Yeah. That's very interesting. We go to the men's real quick. I want to see that. So let's go to like a polo or something. Yeah, yeah. Let's, oh my god. Whoa. Um, let's go to polos. Cause let's click on one. See if he's golfing. That's no, all the same. Just yeah. See. I think that's background. I think that's smart of them. I think if they were golfing, it wouldn't come across the same. That is a good looking polo. Fits right. Yeah. It's different. I don't Tiger, think it would fit Tiger me. Sunday it's, red. It's meant for like uh, long skinny people. That's pretty clever. That's a cool color. It is a cool color. Cerulean. No mediums. It's interesting. Huh. Well, can you go down? I want to see their descriptions too. Clubhouse. So see how they use words like clubhouse slub. Yeah. What I never understand, and this is very common, is yeah. Matthew is six foot two and wearing a size medium. Pablo is six three and wearing a size medium. And I could, for me, it's length, right? I'm six foot one. <laughs> Every medium I've tried on would be like a crop top. Let me see if it's a crop top on him. Well, he has it tucked in in those, but that see the untucked version. This is so tight. Yeah, so I guess it's that's if for you're skinny that's for your that body tall, type, Maybe bro. it does on go me, a bit lower. I on me the the sleeves would just look like uh, <laughs> they would, it would not like I'm way too stocky for these types of clothes. The, yeah, the designer know. stuff it's made for like the Euro look. You know what I mean? Yeah, like where you're allergic to the weight room or something. It doesn't fit. Like it's pretty buff. I just can't believe that's a medium. I just feel like if I got a medium shipped. <laughs> just be a crop top on you yeah i've never seen the fit though i didn't know they're doing that that's kind of cool. a lot of sites do that they'd say the height I don't of the shop model. online i guess so that's on me yeah i'm like a neanderthal but that's awesome i thought this was great brady i thought this is a really cool call out but it is interesting to me that they're a golf brand that wants nothing to do with golf can you go back to the homepage and scroll i want to see if there's any golf on the homepage yeah if you scroll down it gets into the golf covers and bags. And okay, we got some golf bags, the... pocket pants go up. I think is that pickleball before golf though? Yep. Did they, they did pickleball before new golf. Positioning. Yeah, and skiing. See that? They're Porsche, so like driving. They have everything except 
this is their co-op. It's very yeah. See how she's what cut up, but the broken racket. Broken. I love it. It's just a vibe. It's disruptive. Yeah. Move quick, break things, Bernie. Tech. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's very much like it is Equinox and Lacoste had a baby. Yeah. They it's like avant-garde, disruptive luxury. Support breaking the equipment when most brands would oh, be against it. How could you? Yeah. It's against the rules. They're like, we're gonna be the trendiest rule breakers of all time. It's working for them. Are they publicly traded? We go G4 stock. Let's see if there's let's see how they're doing. I don't think they're traded, but let's see. Uh, one funding. When did they get funding? Oh, they were acquired by oh, Peter Millar. Oh, there you go. In 2018. Okay, so they're Peter Millar's edgy. So go to Peter Millar, and Peter Millar is everything you think of when you think of golf. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what your dad wears? Watch this. But it's funny how, like, Peter Millar would never have this positioning. See. So they just buy companies. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. that they can. So that's Peter Millar. This is, uh, this is like, what your dad wears. And I've had one of these. They're so comfy. <laughs> they're going to sponsor the golfers. See, they're going to go with the classic fit. See, this is more, like, you know, frankly, what I'd be more comfortable wearing, something more like this. Yeah. But, and then they have the retail store at Fashion Island or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so it shows the cool part is you're Peter Millar and this is, and you own G4, you don't have to like bet the house on rebranding Peter Millar and hoping yeah. that you kind of have your alter ego going yeah, on. Yeah, you have your alter ego of G4. <laughs> I love it. I think it's brilliant from a strategy standpoint. Really, really cool ad, Brady. It's a cool conversation. Yeah, like I said, it was delivered to me, which was first. And I was like, well, I don't love it for these reasons. So I do I show it. But I thought it was fun. Like the fact that we both perceived it differently. I was curious how you would perceive it. I freaking love it. You know, I love anything that's creative and like you swing for the fences on. But it's a it's very it's very cool to show us how you become an edgy brand and it's do the opposite. Yeah. What are you a golf brand? Perfect. Don't show any golf. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like it's. Oh, you want people to you, you want people to know what your product does? No, no, no. Make it completely vague, abstract, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was like every it kind of called out golfers for faking it. Like I think that's what that whole scene on the phone with the cop. It's like, yeah, we're all on our phones when we drive. Like, just we're a brand for normal people. Yeah. Except there's nothing normal about yeah, them. Except for it was so very high end and preppy. And <laughs> $135 for a top. Yeah, it still had my dad's a lawyer vibes. But. Yeah, exactly. But like my dad's a cool lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> like, which was like, okay, it works. There's still plenty of money in that side of the market. Yeah, definitely. And you can't disrupt Lacoste by, ha- like, by brand equity. You can disrupt them through disruption, though. And I think they've really leaned into that. And I yeah. thought that was pretty dope. But um, let's talk market this. So, Brady and I were at our spot, Mitsuo Mondays. We go to a Japanese market slash food court pretty much every Monday for a year now almost. Well, it was even a spot prior Four. to COVID. Yeah, like, yeah. It was, Mitsuo Mondays was just what it before was. we were remote. And we only, have you, have you ever actually gone food anywhere else in that spot? So, I used to get the katsu curry. What I get? No, the it's on the other side. It's like katsu over rice with a bunch of curry. Can we should can we try that next time? Cause we okay, we only go to one spot. So we go to this food court and we only go to the same spot yeah. every time. I just don't eat heavy lunches anymore. So the beef udon just 
some broth, some noodles, a little bit of beef <clears throat> is good. Yeah. The katsu curry plate is like a ton of food. Yeah. So back in the day, lunch used to be my biggest meal of the day. So I'd be more for a heavier lunch. But yeah, I guess we could try something new. They have a slushy beer. a little frozen beer action if we want to get crazy on a Monday. Ooh, a little slushy beer. I've beers. never had one. Yeah, I've never had a slushy beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a station there. But we were there, which is our normal spot. And we were like, what should we talk about today? And I said food court. Yeah. Because there's some problems with food courts, Brady. I've got some opinions on this. Yeah, and some of them, I mean, you just see places die in food courts. I think I can fix food courts. I think I got some ideas. I got some business model ideas you myself. Do? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with the first biggest problem that is universal of every food court. Parking. Yeah. I mean. Like the Hironori one. The Hironori one. Exactly where I was thinking. Diamond Jamboree, which is not a food court, but it's kind of like a food court. Yeah. Mitsuya, which is like a legitimate inside a... Like when we're saying food court, there's two types, right? You got the new school outdoor food court, which is like Orange County's version of food trucks Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, which is like a courtyard and it has a bunch of 30 by 30 restaurants. So there's no actual seating and it's all just walk up to the counter. And there's, let's say, 10 of them in... A thousand square foot radius or four thousand square feet radius. Mm-hmm. That's what we're referring to. They have those inside and outside. So at Mitsuya, it's in a Japanese market, and then they have a bunch of Japanese food. But once again, they're just like vendors that you can walk up to, like a like a food court at the mall. Yeah, very much like a mall. The other one that we're talking about, the Hironori one, is more of an outdoor food court where it it has like a courtyard, but the same thing of just like the walk up stands, and you it's all shared seating in the middle. <clears> right, <throat> that's what we're referring to. They all have bad parking. Why is that? Um, I think it crushes them, though, on, on like, because I don't think people go to a lot of these places during peak hours because they can't get parking. Yeah. I guess, like, I tend to only go during peak hours. Like, even <laughs> yeah. I got my car up in Bellflower on Saturday, and we went to Rodeo and Garden Grove. I don't know if you've ever been there. Rodeo? I think it's just... I'm just kidding. Yeah. I want to say it's called... It could be Rodeo or Rodeo, but okay. Rodeo is too similar to Rodeo Drive, so I yeah. think it's Rodeo. But anyway, <laughs> it's similar to the Hironori. It's like all indoors, just tons of spots, and the parking is crazy. It stinks. Like, I went to the restroom at the mechanic in preparation for knowing I'm not going to be able to park, and I already kind of had to go. And that was the case, is I could not find a spot. Why is that? I mean, it's... I don't know if they don't expect the popularity that they get, and so that's too risky to like. I feel like they only have like three plan spots. that much parking. I feel like it's like three spots per stand or something like that. Like, it doesn't even make logical sense because if all the stands had a line, nobody could be there. Yeah, it's like they're. It feels like the parking situation at a food court is predicated upon only half of the restaurant succeeding. Because if mm-hmm. everybody actually went to like think about Mitsuyu where we just were. If we're being honest, only like two of them ever have a line, and we only go to one of them. Yeah, but, but if that they all had a line, terrible. nobody could park there. At least the time that we go, I always get parking. Correct, but if we went thirty minutes later, I don't. Yeah, think then it's tough. It's tough, and they have a full underground that we don't even touch. They have an underground. Yeah, they have like a parking garage there. Dude, you know how much just the, the walls on your that. truck wouldn't make it. No, it wouldn't make it. There's no <laughs> way. But <laughs> okay, so first thing's parking. I want. I want parking. I want to make sure every I want to make sure every vendor who's in our food court could be if they were successful would have parking available to their customers. Are you going to try to make it 
just difficult enough to unlock some valet or not go that route? Well, let's talk about that. The outdoor anti-malls. They also have parking issues, Brady. Like if you go to the lab or you go to the, yeah. the mix, you go to these places, it's always hard to get parking. Mm-hmm. Parking to me is just like a, I think from the development, it must be from at the commercial level at the developer. They just, they try to maximize everything but yeah. parking. It has to be. Yeah, enough spots to keep all the restaurants cycling and make the revenue, but they don't want to overdo it. Well, California is different because we don't have any public transit. So the only way you're getting to one of these places is you're you're driving. Yeah. It may be Uber, but I don't know what's happened with like local Ubering since the pandemic. But do you I don't Uber know if that's the food gone down. or you do DoorDash the food yeah. at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like in Southern California, you drive. Yeah. And so these places just never have enough parking. So we got to fix parking. What, what else can we fix? Um, I like, so Mitsuo has a unique setup where they bus tables. I do like that. Which is cool. It's yeah. pretty unique. I feel so bad about it though. You ever feel like the first, I'm used to it now, but like first yeah. time I went there. I mean, I, I need to get better. I usually like leave a dollar or two just under my tray. Ooh, under the tray. A little ooh, surprise. Even though if you go to Japan, it's anti-tipping culture. So that's always my excuse when I don't do it. Yeah. So you're you're trying to they honor, don't want to be tipped. It's you're trying authentic. to honor the Japanese yeah, culture. Yeah. yeah. No, we should probably, <laughs> we should tip them. Um, but that, that to me is unique. Um, so I was just thinking like some type of reward system and loyalty to the food court, loyalty to the food court oh. and loyalty to di- diversifying Oh, where you get like food. You to go your to a point, conference? like, hey, we go here every time. You know, what if there was a reward for us getting the katsu plate? Like the, you know, like when you go to a conference and they give you like a map and you got to get all the stickers. And the only way you get the stickers is by visiting all the booths. Yeah. And that's how they get food traffic to the booths that are sponsoring the conference. Yeah. We could do something like that. So something like a Ooh. system for the food court, right? And even like shared POS systems. I don't know if like there's revenue goals for the food court in general and that impacts your rent. <laughs> so if you're a loser, you pay more. It'll accelerate. Yeah, I don't know. I was just rate. thinking, like, just the business model of food courts, like shared POS systems, a food court reward system that honors diversifying your choices, okay, and increases repetition, okay. So, so those are more business models, and like, so we own the food court, and essentially, how how are we going to promote these these places too? I think. I don't know about promotion, but I do think like surveying and like recommending the type of food that gets placed. Cause I think I see what I see happens is like a random spot goes in and it either hits or it tanks and then yep. it's just out. Yep. But it's like, was there any preparation, any surveying? Did the people want this type of spot here? Yeah. You I think... feel like we could layer that on. Well, a lot of them. Okay. So like diamond jamboree, it's intrinsically an Asian market. Yeah. But I think if we were Diamond Jamboree, I think one of the value props to choosing Diamond Jamboree would be, one, we have the audience that Asian people know that we have good Asian food here. Mm -hmm. And I do think some people just go to Diamond Jamboree and then see what they have. Yeah. But they know it's within a category of Asian food. Mm -hmm. So I think that's clever, number one. Number two, I do think we can advertise and promote and market the center. Yeah. Like each tenant can still advertise their own business. And I don't think we should advertise any tenant individually, but instead collectively promote the center to get foot like foot traffic into the center. And we could do certain types of promotions. So I wanted to take something. It's a little creative here, Brady, but I think you'll like it. From Texas. So one of the cool parts about Austin, Texas, 
is every bar and every place you go always has two things. Music mm-hmm. and an outdoor area. What if we had a little bit of an outdoor area, some tables, little picnic tables, little space. I know it's hard to get space around here. Yeah. But if we could have a little bit of space, communal space. So, like, I think if you ever did a Project uh, Brewery X. Yes. Something, a micro version of that, where 30-somethings that have families and kids could go and just kind of be in the chaos. Yeah. And get out of their house. And then live music. I think if we had some live music going on and then we could promote what artists were going to be at the center. Mm-hmm. And if you added music plus a little community space to the area, not so much that took up the parking. We need parking. Yeah. But if we could have parking plus space plus music and we could promote that, I think people could start to like the center even more than they like the restaurants. And that could let us raise rents. Yep. And just have a more compelling business. Yeah. So I have a good example of this. Okay, yeah, okay let's go. Um, let's go. I only know the coffee shop there. So if you look up Dark Horse Coffee. Okay. It's um, it's a shipping crate center. Okay. But they had live blues music. Yeah. So that's the coffee place. And so I wonder okay. what the center is. Can we see? Just can you go to, uh, can you click on that photo? I want to see, see photos. They'll probably show some. Like you'll probably have some outside. See the outside photos. Yeah, I just wonder what the whole center is called. Steelcraft. So Steelcraft is the place. Okay, so this is more what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. so see if Steelcraft has a website now, please. No. I just had to find a route to find what the place was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's Steelcraft Garden Grove website. Garden Grove. Yeah, right there. Yes, well, the food, the drinks, so, the people, there's a place for you at the Steelcraft table. Yes, so this is what I'm talking about. They have a Indoor, big screen TV. Yeah, so this is like Packing House, too, in Anaheim. Yeah, kind of like Packing House. But this is a good example where, like, if we're ever in that area, we'll go to Steelcraft, maybe because we know we want coffee. But you just know you're going to get the vibe. Yeah, we're going to get something there. I you don't know what around, I'm going to eat. Hold hands, take photos, put it on your story. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a date. That's what that's what the packing house is. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like people go to the packing house just for the restaurant. I think they go for the packing I mean, house. Indian food's pretty good. It is good food there. Yeah, but you can also on your way out grab a cookie or an ice yeah. cream or a coffee, and they kind of got it all there. They make going to the place a vibe. But yeah. once again, the parking sucks at the packing house. Yeah. Did the parking stink here? So. I have never had a hard time with parking. Do you just validate it, though? No. Okay. I don't think there's a ton of parking, though. Yeah. So I haven't struggled with it yet, but I could imagine you could if, see. like, there was a big event there. Spring or summer weekend, nice yeah. weather, going at, like, I could definitely see us having an issue. 12.30 on a Saturday when it's mm-hmm. 75 degrees out, 80 degrees out, maybe a problem. Yeah. So let's just call, let's make a place called The Structure. And <sighs> it's a parking structure, <sighs> and it's all built on top. Ooh. I like where your head's at. We can use the top of the structure. Yeah. I like that. Now, can we go to our vendors? I want to see how they're like uh, marketing, shop, merge. I just want to see how they market it. Yeah, this is. Yeah, we can maybe check out their Instagram after. Okay, so it's they have all their different socials. Yeah, they have the tags. With some photos. They got some workspaces, too. Oh, yeah, too. they have a little workspace. One of yeah. the crates up at the top is like an office for lease. That's crazy. They got some vendors, yep. Kind of like the anti-mall style. The penalty box. I think that's... Uh, is that who owns the steakhouse in Laguna Beach? 
ex-Ducks player. No, that's Solani's. Yeah, oh, I think, Solani I think owns Solani the might. Oh, sorry, okay. I'm like, no, that's called well. Solani's. I know, I know. <laughs> well, now I know. <laughs> I didn't know. But, dude, yeah, I like all this. So what What can we do different, though? Can you, uh, is it open carry? Not gun, but alcohol? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yes. Okay, because that part's yeah. always, uh, I think, nice. The packing house is not. Oh, you, I didn't know that. You can't take your alcohol outside of each restaurant because not everywhere. It's okay. so you can't walk around with it. So that was always hard at yeah. the packing house. They have this little bar area with no vibe and all the vibes outside of you. Mm-hmm. But if you get a drink, you got to be away from the vibe because you can't yeah. walk around with it. So I had that this weekend in rodeo. Is I had a, I asked the bartender because yeah. like my wife was getting fun. That's what I I'm was getting about. like yeah, a yeah, yeah. katsu sandwich. I was like, can I take this beer? to go somewhere else and she said i could okay um that's nice but i think the common theme is like as owners of this food court like we take ownership on the success of the each vendor i would agree yeah more because i know like even steel craft i think they created a lot of cool things but then maybe let it then run itself versus being the ones who promote being the ones who survey the traffic and recommend and pitch the next thing to be in there. That's hard to do though, Brady. What happens when you've got an empty vendor and you and I've got bills to play? Cause that's what happened to the hero Nori one. The hero yeah, Nori has thing. a bunch of crap yeah. vendors. I mean, no, there's no a timer. It's just a bunch of steel doors closed. It's like, yeah, is it not open yet? Or are these spots just empty? No, it's always like 25% filled. Yeah. And they, and you could go every other month and see new pop-ups dying there. Yeah. And I do think that's because of parking. I and, think that well, one's so bad on the parking. I think people go there for maybe only a couple spots. And no shade. Shade's a big problem, too, because in the summer, yeah. a lot. Of, remember how hot that place yeah. would get and there was no shade? Yeah. Do they have shade at this one? Can I yeah, see there's some? a big Because the coverage. shade matters. Yeah, see, they got the marketing with the video and all that. So for us, we need shade. We need parking. Now... I think we would have to be really selective with the type of food we brought in. Because, like, do you want two different Mexican joints? Two different, like, Japanese joints? Two different Chinese joints? Or can you only have one of, like, no uh, culinary competition? Mm -hmm. Because I think that would also help attract people. Yeah. And then maybe you have to have X amount of Yelp reviews with a certain score. So you have to have over 100 Yelp reviews all above four stars or something like that. I feel like you have to have some type some of criteria standard, yeah. because it's always the case. The cream will rise to the top. Like even like, let's say a brewery X. Have you noticed that everybody gets the pizza, but they don't ever get the other cart. Mm-hmm. Like all these places is like that. When you were here, were there some places that were just dead and then some that were slammed? Um, I haven't been here in a while, but this weekend, yeah, that was the case for, yeah. I actually walked up to a spot where the spot I wanted to go to move locations. I was stoked. There was no line. And I looked up and I was like, Sorry, man, this is the wrong place. It's like, yeah, they moved over here to the bigger spot. What do we do about that? The no line problem. Because what if we do have a great vendor who just doesn't have a line? Yeah. I think that's where like the rewards and diversification and just having some type of program in place to influence evening out the traffic. Because remember when the food guy, because remember when we first started Directive, we were at um, Executive Park and they would do like uh, food truck Fridays. Mm -hmm. There are three food trucks would show up. One would get a line and two were dead. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And it wasn't always the same one. It was just, if you had a line, we're all sheep. Mm-hmm. We go to the one with the line. Mm-hmm. How do you get lines for other people? I mean, I don't know if st- stickers Paid are actors. Enough. Paid actors? Okay. 
Do you get what I'm saying though? Like the line is a powerful thing on these yeah, pop-ups. Definitely. No, my I always joke with my wife is all about long lines. <laughs> so that means it's good. Yeah, I know. It's just how we're wired. <clears throat> like in Texas, this is a funny little thing I learned about Texas when I lived there. They purposely understaff the register. You get your food instantly. Yeah. The line is literally so that there's a line. Mm-hmm. That's their marketing. So they'll have three registers. Two are closed. Only one person's working. You order. By the time you find your table, they bring your food out. Yeah. There is no actual capacity That's issue. like the barbecue place in San Juan. Yeah. does a good job at that. That's what I'm talking about. Barbecue is pro at lines. They create the line to, like, create the demand. Mm-hmm. They, like, it's essentially manipulating supply and demand. Yeah. To create more demand. So how do we do that with ours? Maybe there's a entrance to the food court and you get a ticket. Yeah. Nobody does that. I'm just thinking out loud here. Like kind of more like the fair. You know how you have to have a line, like a line to get in the fair, but then you can buy food once you're in the fair. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how do we get a line for our food court so people are like, oh, snap, this place is like, can we get everyone? I, I'm trying to make sure everybody has a line. If we could figure out how to get everybody in line, we'd be the best. So the line's the trick. Yeah, one way to do it is to have one place to order for everything. So no one knows what anyone's in line for. They're just so it's all... just like a ghost kitchen to a certain extent. So like you don't order from each individual. Yeah, you still have some type of storefront, yeah, yeah. but there's like one place to order. That could work. I like that idea. It's a little innovative. You could better control the like because you don't want it to be a crazy line, but you could then control the line. Essentially, if there's only POSs, one line, yeah, drop it to three if it's too short of a line. And then we can see what percent of people are ordering your food. And if nobody's ordering your food, we can have a hard conversation with you and say, look, because if it's if it's not line related, but instead product related, because essentially I would argue in the traditional food court, some places might have a good product. Just none of us will trust them because mm-hmm. we don't really yelp. Maybe we do. Do you yelp the places when you're at the food court or are you just looking for lines and you're yelping the food court? Um, I do not personally, but my you get partner what I'm in crime is definitely on Yelp and she's while we're there. She's checking them all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I check them all too. More for like the visuals of the food. Yeah, like what's been most ordered? Like what should I order here too? Yeah, just to look at actual photos of, of the food. Um, I guess an opposite thing to lines would be mobile ordering take a little note from disney what do they what do they do i mean you know what they so, do anyone disney it's all about mobile order <laughs> okay so you don't order you don't like wait in line and order you just get on your app how do they know where you are you put in your order and then you say when you're there and they just bring and then out. they just say go to this window nine and you tell your code and they give you your food really yeah it's all mobile what if we did it like a stock market and like that bar in San Francisco, you would discount the food that no one's ordering or increase the price of food. Everybody was ordering from our centralized POS. You see, that's where, yeah, I think the centralized POS gives us some options, gives us a lot of, but the best restaurants aren't going to want that. Cause now they're having to give away crap to the bad guys. Yeah. But maybe that would just give them more control and like visibility on the competition. Right? I got an so they idea. could have their own performance dashboard and like comparison to their technically competitors. What if we only worked with already established brands? So what if it was a food court where it had Javier's, it had Joey, it had like all the top restaurants? Yeah. But their street food edition and it was just exclusively in our food court. Yeah. That, because that would have pre-baked in demand for us. 
That's actually that, a better idea. I think that idea. lowers the risk. That lowers the risk a lot. Yeah. Because obviously there's the hot new spot. I still think that it would come with that vibe if it's like a Javier spinoff Correct. side that's project, what, that's not what I'm like a replica. So imagine if we had Javier's Bear Flag, a different menu from in and out like something like that, where it was like all of the top restaurants yeah. everybody knows. The in and out sliders. Exactly. In and out sliders. Something it's like, like slider yes. shop. Yes. So if we just did like the street food version of the top 20 restaurants in Orange County. Yeah. That would slap. And then they'd still have different lines, but we'd still have baked in demand for all of them. And then all of the fan favorites would still want to come visit to check out a different menu than they could get at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then if things work there, maybe they bring it to the restaurant. Yeah. It could be their test kitchen. Test kitchen. I actually like that plan of all the ideas we've had. Because you and I would have a lot less risk on that. Yeah. Or just the whole theme is test kitchen. <laughs> Where it's like an incubator for restaurants, but then consumers get to give feedback. Like if you go to Taco Bell headquarters, you can give like feedback on their food. That's true. Some people are better. Is there a way to monetize kitchen? that? <laughs> or standardize. Have you ever had someone when they try a dish for the first time though? And they want you to be there. Some people's test kitchens are pretty bad tasting. Yeah. Like, you know, when you go to your buddy's place and he's cooking something for the first time, he's like, oh, I wanted to try to smoke this type of meat for the first time. I know I'm guilty it of this. It could be more of the story than yeah. the reality. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but it could have that baked in cucumber steak. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that could work, though. I could, I, or, you know, you could always do like a, an all like a gluten-free type food court or something like that, where at least if you chose your kind of tribe... And they were strong enough of a tribe, you could do well. Yeah, like all all vegan food court, but or I mean, like require those options. Yeah, because I remember this place. I was actually impressed with the Mexican spot with street tacos, had like three vegan options. Really? Yeah. So I hit up my buddy who I know they have a lot of dietary restrictions. Like, oh, we should go here. Yeah, as a group because I, I think there's great vegan food. Yeah, you can find a spot. Yeah. We don't have to eat your crap. Big TV yeah. if there's a game on. <laughs> Brady can find his own food too. Yeah. Everybody wins. So I think maybe having that as a requirement. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, in closing, ample parking. Yes. Strong marketing for the center itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking ownership of the success of everyone. High criteria for who's able to get a lease at the food court mm-hmm. that has X amount of reviews or quality of food. Yeah, risk management. Some type of there. you lose a lot of money during that turnover. Yep. And then ideally, lastly, in my opinion, if we could get the top 20 restaurants in the area to do a street food or test kitchen style setup there that yeah. had baked in demand. In other words, it wasn't a bunch of people no one's heard of. Before. No offense to these people, but I've never heard of their restaurants before. Mm-hmm. We go get some branding and some marketing that already exists. And then what would we do for the advertising, right? We will run some geofencing on some Instagram and Facebook ads and YouTube and social media and Google and Yelp ads. Yeah. And invite the Yelper elites. Get, get the Yelp elites. Do. Get the Instagram foodie like influencers yep. there and just do good marketing. And then live music, some type of communal area where you can hang out. Good for young families. Yep. Like that brewery in Irvine, like in that business park. Yep. I think it's Hangar 24. Yep. Yep. Really good for family. Yep. If we do all of that, I think we're going to be hard to beat, Brady. 
Hard to beat. Yeah. I think I like Steelcraft, I think is a good, good benchmark. Good benchmark. Good standard bear. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're coming for you, Steelcraft. <laughs> Carbon fiber craft. Car- oh, yes, even yeah. better. I like that, Brady. Well, that's market this. Thanks for tuning in with us today. And see you next week. See you next week. Bye, everybody.